0: We know who runs the route, but now it's time. But now it's time to dive into the guys throwing the ball. Welcome to QB Class. Presented by Reception
1: Perception. Here's your host, Zach Miller and Derek Klassen. And we're back. Welcome to another episode of QB Class from Reception Perception. Your host, Zach, with quarterback guru Derek Klassen here after a killer week 15 of quarterback play. How are you doing this morning, Derek?
0: I'm doing okay. It's uh, I don't get a lot of uh, rain and overcast where I'm at, but it's a little rainy and overcasty right now. So it's it it the, the, the little change of pace is a pretty nice uh, pretty nice little feeling. So I'm doing good today. Feel feel different.
1: I haven't uh, been outside yet today, so it it might be. We're not too far away from each other, so usually if right. you have that, that means it's coming my way sometime soon. Here, well, let's hop right into it, man. Uh, we got two. Banger quarterbacks to kick out today Um, heavy hitting teams playoff contenders Super Bowl contenders Um, But we're gonna start off with the Detroit Lions quarterback. Jared Goff was an early week game on the slate um, that one part of the Saturday trio of Slightly underwhelming games in my opinion Um, But we had Jared Goff Detroit Lions taking down the Denver Broncos This was kind of a situation where the Lions had been kind of falling for two weeks straight. We'd seen them show a lot of weakness after heading off to a crazy nine and three start for them, but they beat the brakes off the Broncos. Um, so tell me what you saw out of Jared Goff in that game onto the road to, to just killing the Broncos on that Saturday game.
0: This was, listen, I've, I've watched a lot of Jared Goff in my day. I I, I watched everything he did with the Rams. I've seen every, every snap he's played with the Lions. This is maybe the most Jared Goff game I've ever seen like it truly captured the essence of everything that he is um, in in a good way like it it was one of those like good games for him overall his adjusted accuracy was uh, 70.1% which is not bad by any means it's not great either Um, but you know he was doing a good job the thing is almost all of his his successful throws were over the middle like in the one to ten yard area he went nine of ten which um, you know we typically ascribe Jared Goff to throwing a lot of those digs and, and stuff like that but when they're ripping slants on time and he's actually pretty good at getting to shallows he's actually gotten better this year about getting to check down so like in that area he's actually pretty good um especially you know because throws over the middle are easier when you're in the pocket and he's always in the pocket because he's Jared Goff um but then you know as you can imagine in that 11 to 20 yard area over the middle you know between the numbers five of six dude was just Dig routes, crossers, seam balls, just pinning them on people. Um, and they were doing a really, really good job of, of getting guys open. Like there was one that Sam Laporta, um, they lined him up like Travis Kelsey, like split out as the X to the right. And they were like, all right, bud, go run the drift route in, into that 11, 12 yard range. He ran it perfectly, and Jared Goff absolutely spun it into a really really tight window and like that to me is the quintessential jared goff throw and he, he's really good at those and they did a good job of of getting those open and the thing the, the reason i say that this is like the quintessential golf game is that the lions were able to get into his comfort zone because of how they ran the ball they ran the ball for like 160 yards or something in this game they were just murdering a broncos defense that hasn't been able to defend the run all season and so what that did for them is they were able to constantly be under center. They were able to constantly be in favorable down and distances, and they were able to constantly use play action, obviously off of their run stuff. Half of Jared Goff's 34 attempts in this game were play action. Half of them, 15 of them were under center. Like they were just, everything looked like a run play until it wasn't. Um, And that's really where Jared Goff does his best because he's very comfortable uh, turning his back to the defense and just ripping throws over the middle. Um, And he's really good at those. So, I just feel like th- this was just the peak when you imagine what a good Jared Goff game looks like. It's it, you literally can't script it any better than what happened against the Broncos.
1: It feels like ages ago that we saw that Rams team with Jared Goff going to the Super Bowl like that feels like so long ago in my brain. And it's not that long ago, um, but but we saw in that game like he he wasn't able to get it done like this um and and i don't i don't think he's changed too much as a quarterback over the years but i do think he's gotten better and i think a lot of your charting kind of speaks to that to where he's comfortable in this offense that like you said and what quarterback isn't comfortable after their team rushes for and like i checked it was about 185 yards against the broncos in total team it. rushing <laughs> um but yeah i mean that's what the lions do well I mean, they they run the ball extremely, extremely well. And we saw the two weeks prior to this game, we saw the Lions get out of sync. We saw them like not being able really to run, kind of have to throw the ball more than they wanted to. And both Jared Goff and this passing offense seemed to be kind of like way out of sync. And we, we kind of saw that as a weakness. Speaking to your your stats here, Jared Goff in this last week against man coverage went 7-14. for 14 but on zone coverage, 15 for 18 for a ridiculous 83%, which is killer against zone. It's really great. Um, didn't miss those open throws. Like you said, 18 out of 19 open throws, but his covered throws, not so hot, four out of 11. Do you want to maybe speak to that a little bit? Kind of what went into those, like you those contested, those tight window passes?
0: Yeah, I mean, the thing with Jared Goff is he has the arm talent to fit certain windows and and I say that very intentionally he can fit like I mentioned the Sam Laporta play earlier where they're just running the, the the drift route he knows that he's throwing it he knows he just has to beat the linebacker with some zip okay Jared Goff is fantastic at that he has the arm he has the confidence he has the timing all that stuff when you get into more man coverage situations um where I think we mentioned this on the show a couple of weeks ago where sometimes you have to add some loft to the ball or, or something like that, or you kind of have to get a little bit more creative about where the ball needs to be and give it a little bit more of a feathery touch. Jared Goff just doesn't really have that. Um, and part of it is honestly because he's so long limbed and like, he's kind of just an awkward thrower that it's a little bit tougher for him to, to get, I think some of the touch and control that he needs. But that's, I think where you see a lot of Goff's struggles come up and that's why to me it's so important to be in favorable down in distances and to be under center because when you're under center and it's second and four and the defense is going to want to play run they're going to be in zone coverage a lot of the time because it's a lot safer against the run um, and and all that sorts of stuff when you get into second and nines third and eights defenses are going to play man coverage they're going to play you tight and that's just not really how golf wants to operate and so like I said they did an awesome job of of kind of protecting him from himself and keeping him out of those situations and to his credit when he is in his comfort zone he can really ball like he he when he is doing the things that he's comfortable with he really is kind uh, of seen a match made in
1: heaven master. on this line offense between jared goff and amon St. brown just feels like everything goff does really well just lines up perfectly with everything amon Ra done was really well he's like really really great against those throws across the middle um, i is really good at finding those holes and zones across the middle of the field it just seems like they have one of those connections that just works so well from player to player it, it's fun to watch i really i do really enjoy watching the lions team which i hadn't said for like a long long time but when you have jared goff throwing for five touchdowns on just a saturday it feels like another day for them I feel like we take that for granted. This this is a situation where it's like the Lions have been so bad for a long time. And and Jared Goff, you know, kind of got thrown away. They traded from the Rams. They basically said, we don't think you can win a Super Bowl. And it hurts a little because it feels like they kind of did that. They were like, we don't think you could do this. Let's go get Stafford. And then they immediately turn around and win the Super Bowl. Just like the biggest slap in the face to Jared Goff. But I want to ask you after watching, you've like you said, you've seen a lot of Goff. You charted him all last year, charted him this year. Is this a Super Bowl caliber quarterback with this Lions team?
0: I think Jared Goff is probably like the worst quarterback you could like reasonably win a Super Bowl with. Obviously, you're gonna get a Nick Foles every now so and I'll then. Don't forget and, Nick and Foles, some weird threw stuff seven touchdowns happen. in a game. But like reasonably <laughs> that's true. That's true. Nick Nick Foles, I small tangent i've said this before nick foles is probably the most volatile quarterback in nfl history where his high highs were fantastic and his low lows were like jesus christ how did this guy ever even see the field <laughs> um and the the eagles rolled high and they they got the good guy uh, for a little bit um but but goff you know like he's got his limitations he he's not going to be a guy who's going to go create Like I said, if you get in these tough down in distances, it can be really difficult for him to play. We saw that in the Super Bowl, like you mentioned, when when the Patriots rolled out those like six one fronts and they were like, all right, you're not running the ball. You're not getting into the wide zone play action stuff. Jared Goff was like, oh, I can't play football anymore. And, And that still kind of happens. He is a little bit better, but that that still does happen. But like like we've said, when this offense is really rolling and they can get their run game stuff going. I, I mean, it's, it's it's artistic like it's the way that it's all pieced together so beautifully by by offensive coordinator Ben Johnson. It's just imp- impressive to watch and when they're really in the in their bag, Jared Goff. Like I said, he has his issues, but when he's really feeling it, the arm talent is obviously there and he's a very confident thrower when he's within his little structure. So I wouldn't like bet on the Lions to to get through the NFC, especially with the 49ers at the end of the road. Um but like, I, I think if they fix their defense maybe next year or something, this is yeah, a, a I team mean, that They could, have one of the most talented
1: rosters. I think the, the thing that worries me the most about watching Jared Goff is we saw it in the Packers game over the Thanksgiving time. And then I think we also saw it a lot in both of the matchups they had with the Bears where Jared Goff got flustered early on. Like there was either a big turnover or a pick or a fumble, whatever it was. It felt like as soon as he got out of sync, he stayed out of sync like he couldn't rally himself and get back in like you said like he's really good when he's confident when he's under center when he's throwing like when he's in that groove and i feel like he just has such a hard time getting back into that groove which i feel like is a really bad sign for like a playoff quarterback you're gonna be going up against like you said the 49ers they lead the league in interceptions like it's gonna happen at some point in time like you got to be able to stay there and and he's obviously he's done that before like he's got back in the groove but i do feel like he tends to struggle to kind of get over those mistakes
0: like that yeah he's a very snowball-y type of quarterback and this was true this was even one of my criticisms of him back at, at cal where it's just like if something starts to go wrong it's like ah oh man it's it, it might get out of hand um, and i think that's honestly a really important quarterback uh, an important trait for quarterbacks to have. Like, I don't I don't want to end up mentioning Joe Flacco every single week, but you watch Joe Flacco against what he did against the Bears where he throws three over. picks in the first three I quarters. Sunk. Some of them were just, yeah, I thought it was over. Just a bunch of weird interceptions. Dude comes back in the fourth quarter and is just slinging it. And I don't think Joe Flacco is obviously a better quarterback than Jared Goff, but Joe Flacco has that quality to him where he's like, Dude, I could throw six picks in a day, and I don't care if we can win the game in the in the final quarter. I'm gonna go do it. Jared Goff just like doesn't quite have that. You kind of have to get ahead and let things continue to roll for him, and once they do, he can be kind of unstoppable. But you kind of have to get him there. One of my favorite to, to really make cool. it work.
1: I say as like a joke all the time, but it was from Kevin Durant in the NBA, and someone had interviewed him and was like, you know, like you you dropped like eight shots the other day. Like you went like one for 11, like do feel out of a groove. And he just came back and he was like, well, when you practice and you work as hard as I do, you're never out of a groove. Sometimes you just miss shot, like miss shots. And that's, I feel like that's what you have to have. Like that's the fact that he's like, ah, three picks. I know I can do this, let's just like roll through. And I worry Jared Goff just for some reason doesn't have that confidence and I don't know why because he he really can ball out. He can have these like five touchdown games. He's got the weapons around him. Um, maybe just, just gotta get a little bit of that confidence up. And well, luckily he's in a coach in an offense that just oozes like extra confidence. So there's some, some around left for Jared Goff to pick up
0: you would hope so we'll we'll
1: move to (laughs) the next the goat speaking of goats um we got patrick mahomes on the dock we haven't talked about him ever on the show before i don't think we've charted him at all this year uh i vaguely even remember looking at his chart last year from 2023 because you just expect greatness from patrick mahomes at this point in his career this year, statistically, hasn't been one of his better seasons. Um, and there's been questions around that, whether it's a supporting cast, the Darius Toney mishaps. There's been a lot of weird things going on with the Kansas City Chiefs offense this season. And I think that kind of like comes to fruition some weeks more than others. I watched some of this this Chiefs Patriots game that we just saw and it felt like the entire game I was waiting for the chiefs to lose for some reason like i was just so worried it was like pick it was like interceptions or like weird mistakes and then the patriots would rip off like a big play and it just felt like one of those games that was just somehow going to get out of hand and the chiefs were going to end up losing and small side tangent there i do some sports betting and this year more than any other every time i look at Patrick Mahomes is like over under yards and it's like 299 I'm just terrified I I refuse to take that like every time I look at it I'm like okay we got 70 to 100 going to Travis Kelsey where the hell are the other 230 gonna come from like every time I see that I'm like I don't know where the rest of those yards is supposed to come from but he balled out in this game And you said you got a lot to talk about for it, so I will get off my podium here and let you break down what you saw against the Patriots this last weekend.
0: Yeah, this was, obviously, it's been, like you mentioned, a really weird year for Mahomes. This was peak vintage throwback, whatever you want to call it. This was the best game Patrick Mahomes has played all season. And that sounds weird with the two interceptions, but I would like to address those off the top. The first one, they they have like a little tight end sit route over the ball. Um, And Mahomes is like kind of under pressure, so he throws it a tick late end gets his hands on the ball, like him and the, and the linebacker are fighting for it. Linebacker just wins. So like it was kind of a risky throw, but nine times out of 10, that's not an interception. Like it's just probably a, a, a incompletion and you move on to the next play. So kind of unlucky there. The second one, Kadarius Tony runs this like jerk route over the middle, gets open because he's incredibly explosive, beats the dude in zone coverage, wide open over the middle of the field, Ball hits him in the hands just somehow does not come up with it tips it right into a a Patriots linebacker or a a Patriots defender so one kind of weird interception a second definitely stupid and weird interception that that wasn't his fault so that kind of skews what the box score looks like and all that stuff almost every other play Patrick Mahomes was a 10 out of 10 perfect doing everything that he needed to like he was phenomenal this game he had Like just off the top, he had an 80.6 adjusted accuracy, which is really good on its own. It's even better when you consider that he had two throwaways, which are obviously you have even no shot of of completing it. Um, And then he had nine passes behind the line of scrimmage, which the way I chart it and the way I count it, you can only get 0.8 worth of a completion on throws behind the line of scrimmage. So like you're kind of in a sense, nuking your ability to 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 get like full uh you know credit for for completions. So the fact that he had all of those like 11 throws where he has no shot of getting full credit and he still ends up with 80.6 adjusted accuracy is insane. And it's because he was almost perfect down the field. Like he he went 8 of 9 on throws between 11 and 20 yards. 8 of 9 and he was doing it over the middle. He was doing it um You know, like outside the numbers, he was doing it against man coverage. He was doing it under pressure. Like the dude was just balling. He had, there was a corner route he threw to Justin Watson in this game. I mean, he couldn't have walked over there and put it in his chest better than he did on that throw. Like it it was just phenomenal. And then there was a post route he threw to Travis Kelsey in the end zone that he left it up top shelf for Kelsey to go get. And Kelsey just kind of had a rare moment of, 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 of not being able to come down and that was a weird one there was a a dig route later yeah it was like oh travis kelsey's not like a super all pro guy anymore that's weird um there was another Kadarius tony mistake which is not that surprising there was a dig route tony ran where it's against zone coverage and so against zone coverage when you're running a dig you kind of have to be cognizant of where the middle of the field defenders are and you can kind of settle and sit on your route a little bit more than you would against man coverage obviously if you're against man you just want to run the corner off and, and try to get away from him again zone you can try to kind of break and settle a little bit pat throws it like he's trying to get tony to settle tony doesn't settle he keeps running ball ends up behind him and it's like okay pat did the right thing tony obviously did not do the right thing um and so to me i'm still counting that as an accurate throw because the quarterback does the right thing receiver just doesn't um but he was just just phenomenal in that area, and like, I mean, he was just. I could literally go on and on. Like, there's still some other stuff. But speaking of, he was truly right unbelievable thing. in this game.
1: As the weeks go on, how bad does it look trading Tyreek Kill at this point? I mean, I know they realistically probably couldn't have paid him. I don't know. I don't really believe the cap is real at this point in my life. I used to think that after all my Madden days, being like, oh, they can't sign all these players. They have a salary cap. And then every year, some team is like 45 million over the salary cap, and it just feels like nothing happens. So I'm like, "How every Kadarius Tony drop that turns into an interception, how many times do you think Patrick Mahomes just like daydreams of Tyreek Hill? Like he looks at it and he's just like, that could have been Tyreek. That could have been fine. I would have had six less interceptions this season. And it could have been Tyreek sitting there catching all these passes.
0: Every night when he goes to bed. In- instead, of- instead of pictures with his-, his family and his babies all over the all over the house, it's just like random sporadic pictures of Tyreek Hill so that he could be reminded of what it used to be like. Um but no, I, I think my take on that really is is um I I get why the Chiefs did it because yeah, paying him might have been tough. And um, I think they even kind of started to run into issues with what the offense was with Tyreek Hill at the helm, because obviously the Dolphins use him in an extremely different way than I think Mahomes wants to play or Andy Reid wants to play. The problem is just they got really cute and stupid in the way that they tried to retool the room around him. Like MVS was supposed to be this vertical guy, but he Catches like 15 passes a year and he's not really reliable in any sense of the word. They try to use Justin Watson on that, and like he makes one play a game, maybe, and that's it. And then some of the guys that they've drafted, um, like Sky Moore cannot play. And and the thing is, it's not just that Sky Moore can't play, it's that as an idea, Sky Moore didn't make a lot of sense. Like they they drafted Sky Moore in the second or third round or whatever to be this version of like golden Tate where where you just throw him a bunch of screens and like yak stuff but he's not actually that explosive and he's not as strong as Golden Tate ever was. So it, it like the, the idea never really was, was going to solidify. It just didn't make a lot, a whole lot of sense. Um, obviously they didn't draft Tony, but they traded for him. And like, that was just, I think peak Andy Reed thinking that he could fix something that is not fixable. Um, and he keeps trying to fix it. And I don't think it's going to get fixed. Um, and then even Rasheed Rice, who I, I think is a really good player, He is also a little bit limited and really, really different from what Tyree Kill was. Obviously, Tyree Kill was the most explosive and the fastest player we've probably ever seen, and he was really good down the field. Rasheed Rice, it's funny. Rasheed Rice is kind of what I think they thought Sky Moore was supposed to be, where he's kind of this short to intermediate bully ball, like yak, super explosive type of guy. But he's also like not the cleanest route runner not really going to win outside the numbers all that much you know you're not going to run a bunch of comebacks and curls with him and stuff he's he's kind of a zone beater who needs to do yak stuff which is useful but given how poor the rest of the receiver room is not it, it's just is not quite closer
1: to like-, like a early career juju smith schuster than people think he is like he's doing a lot of what juju did last yeah. year on this yeah. kansas city offense and I I think every time people were like oh well like yeah they don't have good wide receivers but they have Rashi Rice who's just balling out I'm like yes but he's actually kind of like too much like Travis Kelsey in the way that they're getting him involved that it's not helping this offense as much as you need it to be it's like you kind of already have a guy that can do that at a really really good level and sure like Travis Kelsey is getting older and he will fall off at some point in time and as he's getting older his limitations are growing but he's still really good at doing what Rashi Rice does, which is just finding the weak spots in the zone on those short intermediate routes across the field. They don't have somebody to open up on the other side of the hashes. I loved Skymore when he came in, man. I was so sad about that. I, I still, I think deep in my heart, I'll always <laughs> believe he could be a slot receiver for somebody out there, um, but we may never see that happen. Touch on a couple more things with Mahomes that I think we need to bring up in the year, was absolutely crazy, his completion percentage is still sitting at the best in his career. He's never been over a 67.1 completion percent. He's at 67.4 right now with much of the year remaining. His touchdowns haven't been there the way they have been in the past. And the biggest one, of course, interceptions at 13. But a big point I've seen brought up over the last couple games is how much of his yards passing have been created by Yak, which I think in this last game was somewhere around the 200 yard mark. And of course, anytime you have a ton of yards created by Yak with the quarterback, it's, it's almost like the Brock Purdy scenario where you're like, yeah, great screen, roll through. But stats lie. We both know that. We break down stats all the time. You do it so well with quarterbacks. So, I think you can explain this better than I can. But talk to me about why Yak from a quarterback standpoint can vary so much that you really need to look into where that Yak came from.
0: I mean, I, I think Mahomes versus Purdy is literally the perfect example, especially this year. Like, I, I think this probably doesn't apply to as much to when the Chiefs had Hill because Hill did have these plays where he's catching a, yard, a past 20 yards down the field and somehow does something crazy. But when you watch this chiefs offense, so much of their yak is not because they're, they're throwing something over the middle and, and rice or Kelsey makes an insane play. I mean, rice can occasionally, um, but it's not because these skill players are necessarily making insane plays like, down the field it's because Andy Reed's screen game is like 10 out of 10 perfect cooks it up better than anybody in the league. Um, and so they get a lot of yak off of those. I mean, even in this game, I think uh, Clyde Edwards, the had like a 50 yarder um, off of a screen because Andy just has this unbelievable feel and, and the way that they sell their screens where they can get a lot of these going. So that's where a lot of the yak comes from. But like when, when Mahomes is throwing down the field and he's finding guys 10, 15 yards down the field, that's not where they're making plays. Like they're not making the good plays exceptional. Like that's just not how the offense functions. You look at San Francisco, they obviously have some of the screen stuff because Kyle is just, I mean, Kyle Shanahan's amazing and he does a lot of that stuff really well too, especially when they can get under center. But so much of what makes the yak different in San Francisco is is like Debo will catch a slant. House call. Oh, there he goes. 60 yards. Gone. Brandon I yeah house call brandon iu catches a dig makes two people miss gone 80 yards uh george kittle catches a little shallow across uh, across the formation 45 yards like they just all of i mean christian mccaffrey you throw him an option you throw 30 other running backs in in the league in option route you're happy with seven yards you throw it to cmc there's a chance he just magically gets 25 (laughs) like that that's just every uh, yeah like i i would i would bet on it if i could as soon as he catches the ball um it's just that's the thing is all of these guys have the capacity to get yak where it's not supposed to happen if that makes sense like the, the yak in the chiefs offense happens where it's supposed to happen where it's all these screens and and like quick throws and stuff with the niners it's when they're throwing these passes down the field it 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 actually reminds me a little bit of like we we remember when the Bengals in 2021, when they were throwing down the field a lot, but they also had a ton of yak. Like Jamar Chase was just catching balls 40 yards down the field, breaking two tackles and, and going 80 yards to the house. When you're doing that, you're like breaking what football like is supposed to be in a sense. Like you're 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 doing stuff that nobody else is doing. And so that to me is the difference between where the yards after catch is coming from. So to me, it's not enough to look at the percent of yardage for Yak. It's like you mentioned, it's how and why so important. The yards like after stat, catch is
1: happening. I mean, that's what we do at Reception Perception and why we do it is because stats do lie. You can look at yards per route run or any of the like Yak or what you're seeing and like they can lie to your face about what these stats mean. So that's why we're here. That's why we have the show. So you can tell the people exactly what's going on. Let's move on to the off script part of the show my favorite part here. We got a couple minutes to go off Uh, We saw a Monday night football game last night that personally Devastated me because I lost multiple playoff matchups in my fantasy leagues based off of Drew locks late game heroics and uh, My girlfriend lost her playoff match off of the last pick like the very the toe tap pick cost her matchup by 0.76 no. points so that uh that hurt it was a rough night in our household um but importantly out of that matchup we saw the seahawks win 20 to 17 and it brought up a question that I, I you have been asking throughout the season i have thought myself um that this eagles passing offense looks out of sync it doesn't look like what we saw last year under shane steichen um from that really really smooth passing offense aj brown dominating still having a fantastic year but things look out of sync is jalen hurts good talk to me is he
0: okay right now he's he's not like he's he just for whatever reason is not as comfortable in this passing offense and and like it, that feels weird to say because they're ten and four or whatever, and they've had some really good games like the Buffalo game where he, he just had a bunch of explosive plays down the field. But that's kind of the thing is the explosive plays can still happen. A.J. Brown, like you said, all pro. Devonta Smith is about as good a number two receiver as you can get. Dallas Goddard, when he's healthy, is fantastic. They have the raw talent where eventually they're going to overwhelm you and, and be able to win a game. And that's going to happen a lot of the time. But the down to down consistency in this offense and like where their answers are coming from, it just doesn't feel like they had them. Like last year, it felt like they did such a good job with Shane Sykin of of picking a very select few answers and just spamming them until defenses could stop them. And because they were so talented, most of the time defenses could not stop them. Um, And like you saw like Dallas Goddard was running sailor outs all over the place. Devonta the Smith, they were getting wide open on a bunch of like just kind of isolated routes because he's a phenomenal route runner. Obviously, AJ Brown down the field, they were doing more with AJ Brown cutting across the middle of the field. Um, like even though hertz is not all that comfortable over the middle, when you have AJ Brown at a certain point, he's going to throw those. That's obviously all AJ Brown did in Tennessee. Uh, that's all we thought he was going to do in Philly before we realized he's the best go ball runner <laughs> in the NFL. Evidently, um, but this year it just it doesn't feel like they have as many answers. On their pure dropback game as they used to, like I think this last game against Seattle was kind of the perfect example where you watch the passing offense. Can you remember a single good passing play in this game that wasn't an RPO or a curl route or a flat route?
1: Not that I can. There, there, there weren't no. any.
0: <laughs> yeah like there were none and that's obviously like an extreme version of of what the problem has been in, in in Philly this year. They've had better moments and better games than that overall. But in general that's kind of the issue is that the the passing offense when they're doing anything outside of like the the super basic, the or you know, the super basic quick game stuff or some of their RPOs, they just don't have answers. They can't get activated over the intermediate part of the field, especially over the middle, which has always kind of been a problem for Hertz, and I think is becoming more of an issue again as he's gotten really deeper into this season. So I think Hertz is better than he's playing right now. I think I think he's playing below his level, but he is just not seeing the field very well right now. And he's not comfortable with what they're doing. And you're even seeing him bail the pocket a lot more than I think he used to because of that. I think he's just kind of going a lot of one and done where he's like, okay, first guy's not there. I'm going to go do something, which that's just a hard way to live unless you're Josh Allen. (laughs) And even Josh Allen doesn't do that
1: anymore. And Josh Allen does also what we're seeing from Jalen Hurts now where Josh Allen's always kind of been a little turnover prone. That's just part of his game. You know, he's like, if I throw two picks, it's fine because I'll come back and throw three touchdowns. That's, That's part of the Josh Allen deal that you get week in and week out. But that was not a Hurts deal. He had never broke 10 interceptions in a season until this year, and he's already at 12. We're in week 15 now he's a 12 his previous high was in 2021 where he threw nine and that was his sophomore year like the first one where we were like is this guy really even like a franchise player and 12 interceptions to 19 TDs is the worst ratio he's had of career the rest of his stats are kind of lining up to what he's done before you know like you said he's not that different of a player but we're we're just seeing the decision like not the decision he's just not as comfortable this passing offense just clearly isn't doing what it did you're seeing either either an aj brown game or a devonta smith game or sometimes it's a dallas goddard game but i don't feel like there's been a a game this year that i've been like it's everybody we're here we have the philly offense brown's catching smith is catching goddard's catching swift is making a screen pass it's not coming to the same point and I, i do think a lot of that is lacking shane steichen you know like they they really we're in sync last year and losing two coordinators not just shane Steichen, but jonathan gannon on the defensive side this philly team's just not as consistent as they were and we're gonna have to see if they come back i don't think personally matt patricia was the answer for defense and um but that's no. a that's a rant for another day and i think philly fans that watched that last drive of the game already all agree that matt patricia was not the answer at the defensive play calling but You know, we'll let the Eagles find that out in due time as every other team has that hires Matt Patricia Um, but offensively they they have some consistency issues behind such a great offensive line and a a good run game They have to pan that out if they're gonna really make a Super Bowl push I, I mean you have to be consistent because once you get in the playoffs you need to win those games There is no ah, we dropped a bad one against the Seahawks. We'll get them next week You gotta you gotta be able to do that consistently.
0: Yeah, there is no next week. And they're gonna play they're gonna play teams that are tough and teams that they've lost to. Like they're gonna play the Niners, they're gonna play the Cowboys. Um, I mean at least one of them. At the end of the road, one of those two teams is gonna be there and they're gonna have to play them if they can get there. That's gonna be tough. And even at this point, I'm not sure they can beat the Lions with the way that they're playing. Like it's just That's gonna be it for today's tougher. show.
1: Everybody, thank you for tuning in. I'm Zach, Derek signing off for QB class. Uh we are not gonna have an episode next week for the holiday season, so take a week off from listening to our voices go enjoy the holidays family friends whatever you want to do and we'll be running it back in the new year new quarterbacks i'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about so we'll see y'all then